Sorta Kinda Superpowered by James Kennison. Chapter 2. Where are the buses? Joseph asked no one in particular. They were gone. In their place sat a line of news vans, each with extended dishes, probably pumping out info on the building fire and Dr. Superior's recent heroic feat. Your buses have been moved one block down, a police officer called out. Proceed to your right and remain behind the tape. The fire caused traffic around the building to be rerouted. The area to the right was a maze of police tape. They turned and waited at the corner for the signal. Looking up the street, Joseph saw the fire trucks they had seen from the upstairs window. Joseph caught his breath suddenly. There he is, he quietly screamed, one arm grasping for Clovis. It's superior, look! He caught Clovis's shoulder and turned him in the right direction. No way, Clovis exclaimed. Dr. Superior was standing in the street in front of the building that had been on fire, surrounded by news cameras and microphones, obviously discussing the details of his latest rescue. You're good to cross, said an officer. They started across the street, their heads turned toward the hero. They saw Dr. Superior give a salute and then shoot up into the air. He turned and dove straight down, then pulled up level with the pavement and became a streak of purple just over the top of their heads. Joseph could feel the wind as he flew over. It smelled like cologne. Slap! Something small smacked Joseph hard in the cheek. Ow! He yelled, bringing his hand to his face. The spot stung like a mosquito bite. What is it? Clovis said, watching Dr. Superior fade into the distance. Something hit me, Joseph cried. Hit me in the face! His eyes darted around the area for someone who might have thrown something, but there was no one. Just the fire trucks a half a block away and the officer at the corner. No one seemed to be enjoying his reaction to being struck. He looked down to see what hit him. At his feet was a flat, gold-colored piece of metal. He bent to pick it up. Get out of the road, the police officer yelled. Joseph jerked upright and obediently stepped forward, kicking the thing that had struck him across the lane, where it pinged off the gutter and landed flat. The boys ran the rest of the way across. Joseph grabbed it up as they jumped onto the curb. What is it? asked Clovis as they joined a line of classmates against the wall. Joseph turned it over in his hand where Clovis could see. I don't know. There's a stick pin on the back with a clasp. He flipped it again. It's a pin. Like somebody might put on a uniform or something. Really? Clovis was interested. Let me hold it. Joseph tossed. Clovis caught and took a look. He blew some dirt off the back, attempted to polish it with his shirt tail, and then held the pin up so they could both see. The pin was about an inch long, a little over half that wide, and it was the shape of a shield. It was golden in color, though tarnished dark brown at the edges, making it look like an antique piece of jewelry. It had several deep pits and scratches in the front, probably due to the kick Joseph had given it across the street. There was nothing particularly notable about the pin, other than how it had smacked Joseph in the face out of nowhere, Joseph was still rubbing the spot. Clovis held the pin close. Where did you come from? He asked the pin, studying it closely. Why did you smack my friend in the face? Did you fall from the sky? From a building? Were you thrown by somebody? Do you want it? Joseph asked him. Sure, thanks, he said, pleased. He started flipping it in the air like a coin. Hey, I've been thinking. Was it just me or could you totally smell Dr. Superior's cologne? He stopped short. Clovis was backing away and had pulled his hands into fists under his chin. He was looking at something in between the two of them. Joseph focused on a blur in the air. It was the pen. It had stopped in midair on Clovis's last toss and was hanging there, rotating slowly. 
Joseph began to reach for it, but the pin began sliding toward him. He jerked his hand back as if it might sting him. It stopped about six inches from his face, then dropped. Joseph snatched it mid-fall. Clovis's aunt was back on her microphone saying something about getting on a bus, but neither boy was listening. They just looked at each other, and then down at the pin, and then at each other, and back to the pin. I don't want it anymore, Clovis said. You can have it. Boys, bus, now, microphone aunt shouted up close, pointing to the bus. Joseph closed his fist tight around the pen as they both walked, heads down, trying to process what had just happened. Joseph followed Clovis up the steps and bumped seat backs down the aisle. All the good seats were taken, so they plopped down three seats from the front, two seats from the driver and their teacher, Mrs. Doors. You saw that, right? Joseph whispered loudly. What did you see? Clovis also whispered loudly. I saw the pen float in the freaking air and land in my freaking hand, Joseph hissed. Then yes, that's what I saw. Clovis was relieved that he wasn't the only crazy person on the bus. Bring it back out. Joseph opened his hand and the boys looked down at it. Suddenly the bus rocked forward. The pen flew up out of his hand, then down the seat back through the crack and pinged off the floor. Oh no, Clovis said. Dang it, Joseph said and turned around to see who was in the seat behind them. Nobody, thankfully. They could see the pen on the sandy black floor sliding with every bump and sway of the bus. Joseph knew he had to move fast. One stop and the pen would slide all the way up out of reach underneath the driver's feet. One lunge forward and it would slide to the back where someone would grab it for sure. After a quick look, Joseph saw that everyone was talking loudly and cutting up. No one was paying attention to the two short kids at the front. Even Miss Doors was chatting with the driver with their back to them. Joseph slid back a seat. He reached down for the pen and as he did, the pen lifted off the floor, slapping itself into his palm hard. His whole arm jerked back as if he'd caught a fastball. Joseph grabbed tight and looked up at Clovis. Did you see that? He said through clenched teeth. No, what? It came off the floor. It came right up off the floor and into my hand. Joseph jumped back into the seat. He opened his hand, this time cupping the pen. It came to me like my hand was magnetized. Show me, Clovis said. He handed the pen to Clovis. Hold it up like this, he said, pinching his fingers together. And when I say let go, let go. Joseph held up his right hand, palm out, about two feet from where Clovis was pinching the pen. Let go, he said. Clovis did. The pen instantly zipped across into Joseph's hand, hitting with a little smack. No way, Clovis shouted. Joseph shushed him. The bus driver looked up at them through the mirror over her head. After a moment, she seemed satisfied that the boys weren't up to anything and went back to talking about power couponing with Mrs. Doors. This thing is magic, Clovis said, much quieter. There's no such thing, Joseph corrected. Something sciency. I don't know, skin magnets or something. Skin magnets, Clovis laughed. Magic makes more sense than skin magnets. Whatever it is, it's awesome, Joseph said. I'm going to clip it to my shirt so I don't lose it. He fumbled with the clasp. Stuck the needle through his shirt, then back out. He laid the needle in the clasp and spun it shut. And he looked up at Clovis. How's it look, he asked. It looks good, Clovis said, and then grinned. I'm surprised you had to clip it at all since it's a skin magnet. Joseph pushed Clovis into the bus wall, then settled into the seat, his knees up on the seat back in front. Joseph looked down at the pen. This thing is something special, he thought. He felt as if he had won an award. A feeling of excitement and pride began building in his chest, then through his arms and legs, his hands and his feet. It's probably a medal of honor or something like that, he thought. He enjoyed the cold touch of the pin's needle on his chest. 
he suddenly realized how hot he was. Someone had closed all the windows while they'd been in the museum. There was absolutely no breeze, and it was sweltering on the bus. Dude, can you open a window? He asked Clovis. Clovis stood and grunted as he pushed inward on the window locks. One snapped open, the other didn't. This one's stuck, Clovis said. We'll try the next one up, Joseph said. Clovis leaned forward over the seat and tugged on the latches. Ouch! Clovis flopped down on the seat and sucked on his pinched finger. I can never get these stupid things open. Let's just see if we can move. Clovis was a great friend, but he was not a very strong friend. He had skinny arms and was always complaining about how heavy things were. Let me try, said Joseph. His extra inch of height had to account for something. He stood and prepared for a serious struggle with the window. Why did these things have to be so hard to open? He had seen adults operate them with no trouble, but for kids, they're always tricky, pinchy, and just plain hard. Thankfully, when he pushed inward on the locks, they slid with hardly any effort at all. He dropped the window down, and the cool wind blasted in. That was easy, he thought. He looked down at Clovis, who was looking a little embarrassed. That never happens for me, Clovis said. Do both. Again, Joseph prepared for a struggle, but the locks slid as easily as before. He dropped the second window and flopped back into the seat. That's much better, Joseph said, tugging on his shirt collar to let the air in. You must have loosened him up for me. He was trying to console Clovis, but Clovis didn't care. He was now drumming and humming some tune he'd most likely made up himself. Clovis was a good friend, but he was not a friend with a long attention span. Today was a pretty good day, Joseph said. You bet it was, Clovis said, still drumming. The museum was awesome. We saw Dr. Superior. He saved people. We got to see him flying down the street. Plus, I found this pin that is not magic, but does seem to have some kind of magnetic power or something. The bus turned right, and the sun burst through the window into Joseph's eyes. He threw his hands up to block the blinding rays and shut his eyes tight. He sat that way for a while, enjoying the sharp white swirls and patterns in the darkness behind his eyelids. The patterns began shifting, joining one another in the center. The patterns separated into thick, blurry, horizontal lines. Joseph realized that this was not happening at random any longer. He opened his eyes to nothing but blinding sunlight. He closed them again. The hazy lines were dividing into different lengths. He squeezed his eyes tight and rubbed hard, wanting to find out if it would affect what was happening. The divisions were gone. The solid lines blurry again. He decided now to sit still with his eyes tightly shut and let whatever was happening happen. The lines sharpened and redivided. The divisions became sharper as well. Inside them, familiar shapes began to form. I see letters, Joseph thought. Each division became a word and each line a sentence glowing white against the dark, black emptiness. Finally, Joseph could make out the first few lines. The words scrolled up slowly like the beginning of a Star Wars movie. Joseph read, Whosoever this pen may choose will find his state in life improved. Selfish gain will not work out. Selflessness brings great power out. If bravely you defend the good and battle evil like you should, then I am here to help that cause. But keep me close from thieving claws. The words faded away, back into random swirls and patterns. The words were gone, but the message was burned into his mind. He could repeat the entire thing from memory. But why? How? What did it mean? And what was happening? He opened his eyes and began to speaking to his friend. Dude, you're not going to believe what just happened. He turned to Clovis and then screamed. 
In spite of his sudden fear and shock, he was fairly aware that he had just screamed like a five-year-old little girl. He covered his mouth, attempting to stifle the next outburst, but it didn't help. See, the problem was Clovis's head didn't have any skin on it. What's wrong? Clovis's muscles and teeth and lidless eyes said. Joseph jerked backwards, slamming into the bus, smashing the window and denting the metal wall. There was a sudden lurch sideways, then forward, as the bus driver pulled into the side of the road and stopped. What's going on? She growled, locking onto Joseph through her mirror. She didn't have any skin on her face either. Her face was red and wet, and she didn't seem to notice her mind at all. Everyone on the bus was looking at Joseph. Mrs. Doris stumbled through the aisle. What's wrong, Joseph? What's wrong? Joseph held his mouth even tighter and screamed even harder. Mrs. Doris, normally a fairly attractive lady, especially for a teacher, was also skinless. Joseph nearly puked at the sight of the muscles stretching across her forehead and all around her eyes. There were several long red ones going down her neck and into her blouse. Joseph decided that screaming wasn't going to be enough, so he jumped over the back of the seat, scrambling to the aisle and toward the back where the other kids were. There was a problem here, too. Not only was everyone looking at him, but they were doing it through eyes with no eyelids, no eyebrows, and no hair. Their mouths hung open, no lips, just teeth and tongues. What's the matter with you, Wilhelm, said a glistening meat-faced boy. His glasses hovered on his non-existent nose, his teeth chomping with each word. That's a great reference, the sane side of Joseph's mind mused while the rest of him maniacally tried to determine a way off the bus that was suddenly full of skinless monsters. Miss Doors was advancing on him, her shiny red hands held up trying to calm him. The driver was checking the broken window and the large dent where Joseph had hit. Joseph was stuck. The kid monsters in the back were all standing and talking at once. Monster teacher was going to touch him with her sticky blood hands. It was all too much. Things were turning white, whiter. He fell into a heap on the floor, crumpled down between the metal seat supports as the white turned black. He opened his eyes and looked around. Health posters, two beds with blue sheets and paper on top. He was in the nurse's office at his school. You're awake, said a female voice. Joseph was afraid to look, but he did. It was the nurse. She had her skin on. He didn't know her name. You had quite the episode, she said. Do you want to tell me what happened on the bus today? Joseph was a pretty quick thinker, and he was thinking several things at once. One, if he talked about skinless people, he would be sent to wherever they put the crazy kids. Two, if the monsters were real and he was crazy, he didn't want to talk about them in case they might find out and take his skin away, too. And third, the hard one, he wasn't a liar. Because the easiest way out would be to lie. But that's just not what he did. His brain was going as fast as it could, trying to find a way to tell the truth without seeming like a crazy kid. And then it came. He took a deep breath. I was sitting with my eyes closed because the sun was in my eyes. I looked over at Clovis and he looked really weird to me. So I got really freaked out. I jumped into the aisle and then everybody looked weird. And that's all I remember. He took another breath. The nurse eyed him. Hmm, she mulled. You either had a bad dream or a panic attack. Do you know what a panic attack is? He didn't. Well, either way, your mother is on her way to pick you up. I'll talk with her to see if you have any history of anxiety, stress, or if you just like to scream at people and pass out sometimes for fun. She smiled. Joseph managed a little laugh. When you feel like it, you can get up and put your shirt on, she added. Joseph was thankful he always wore a sleeveless undershirt. He hated being bare-chested. Some of the boys at the school had muscles and chest hair, but none of that had happened to Joseph yet. 
The daily undershirt habit helped obscure that fact. His shirt was on the other bed. He picked it up. The sleeves were inside out. The pin was still where he had pinned it. He caught the sight of the nurse making a call as he pulled out the sleeves and put the shirt over his head. The nurse was now a totally red, sticky-looking, skinless lady in turquoise scrubs. The skinless nurse was talking happily with someone on the phone. Joseph wondered if she might be talking to the skinless people from the bus, possibly discussing the removal of his skin. His arms forgot what they were doing and the shirt slipped down off his head. Joseph gasped. The nurse was back to normal. What is this? He thought. He pulled the shirt over his head again. Skinless nurse. He pulled it off. Normal nurse. He ran a finger over the pin attached to his shirt. It's the pin, he thought. He clenched his teeth and pulled the shirt down, pushed his arms through, and without looking at the nurse, he quickly unpinned the pin and held it in his hand. The needle poked his palm a bit, but he didn't care. He opened his eyes and looked. Normal nurse. He reattached the pin and looked up. Gross nurse. Joseph's brain began processing everything that had happened. Either this pin was giving him see-through vision or it was showing him an alien race that was hiding among the humans. He had seen a movie like that where a guy had special glasses and he could see aliens, but no, that was just a movie, he thought. It wasn't real. Hey, kiddo, you okay? It was mom. Joseph ran over and fell into her arms, hugging her tightly. He didn't even think to check if she had skin, but he wouldn't have cared either way. Everything about her was comforting. She had deep brown eyes that always told him how she was feeling. She had long brown hair worn in a ponytail because she worked half hunched over kids at a preschool and couldn't have it falling in her face all day. Joseph had flipped the end of it between his fingers every time he hugged her for as long as he could remember. Right now, even her height was perfect. His head rested just beneath her chin. He held on for a while, allowing her warmth to wash his fear away. She stroked his hair. He flipped the end of her ponytail. Most kids in middle school hated having their parents around, but not Joseph. To him, she was awesome. What did you do, hon? She asked, placing her hands on his forehead as if checking for a temperature. They told me you kind of went nuts and passed out on the bus. I told him that you only do that kind of stuff when you've been watching Barbie movies. Joseph laughed weakly. He looked up at his mother. She looked back, her eyes showing more concern than she was letting show. We'll talk about it on the way home, she said. She liked to handle things in private, just the two of them. She turned to the nurse. Do I need to sign him out or anything? No, Mrs. Gardner, the nurse replied. But I do need your signature here and here. She held up a clipboard, which Mrs. Gardner signed quickly. She nodded in the right places as the nurse gave her opinions about possible conditions Joseph might be suffering from. She assured the nurse that Joseph would be taking it easy for the rest of the day. Then finally, it was goodbye and thank you so much. Joseph kept his eyes on the ground as they walked to the car. He didn't need to see any more weird stuff today, thanks. You've had another growth spurt, his mom said, standing close and using her flat hand to measure. Soon you'll be taller than me. She walked around to her side of the car. Joseph did feel a bit taller than he had earlier in the day. He casually glanced at the long shadow the sun was casting over the empty parking lot. The top of it stretched far into the distance, but the bottom half stopped just short of his feet. Looking closer, he saw sunlight passing under his feet. He hadn't grown. He was floating. Joseph lunged forward and grabbed onto the car. His legs wobbled underneath him as if he were walking on a tightrope. He took a few steps, still grasping the car, expecting his feet to slip out from under him. With each step, he bounced just a bit as if he were walking on transparent foot-sized clouds. Come on, called his mom. Get in the car. 
We've got to get home so I can look after your grandpa. Plus, you've got to answer for what happened today. Getting into the door was a problem. His steps were acting like suggestions rather than directions. He couldn't seem to get any traction. He stepped up onto his toes, hoping they would touch the ground. No luck. He bent down and tried to push his shoes to the pavement. Still no luck. He even tried propelling himself forward, using his hands like paddles on the pavement. Nothing. Then he had a thought. He took off the pin. Boom. His shoes and the rest of him dropped two inches to the pavement. Inside the car, Joseph's mind was working hard again. He knew he had to tell his mom everything, but he needed to figure out things for himself first. His friends were not skinless. He was 99% sure of that. Same with the nurse. They were all normal. He was just seeing through their skin somehow. The floating was new, but if that happened again, it meant he was now able to hover off the ground and maybe more. Then there were the windows on the bus. Clovis couldn't budge them, but I opened them with no problem, he thought. And then I jumped back and hit the side of the bus and I made a huge dent and smashed the window. Is that extra strength? The car had stopped for a red light. His mother looked over at him. She smiled, but her eyes still expressed her concern. She breathed in deeply and let it out. You really scared everybody today. You ready to talk about it? Almost ready, he said with a half smile, trying to calm her worries. I'm still trying to figure it out myself. She rubbed her eyes hard with her palms and then shook her head, blinking, trying to wake herself up. She was always working, if not at the preschool, then at home with Grandpa. The past year since Dad had left had been tough. Joseph had started recognizing how hard her life had been ever since. That was the reason he wasn't ashamed of her the way kids were of their moms. She had gone through too much to deserve being treated that way. He hated the idea that his outburst on the bus might have added to her stress, all the more reason to get it figured out. When did everything start, he asked himself. It was when I found the pen. It was time to test his theory. Joseph tacked the pin on his shirt and then looked around. And for a moment, nothing changed until the dashboard faded away, revealing black tubes and different colored wires. And then the tubes and wires faded, and he was now looking deep into the car's engine, a mass of spinning shafts, sloshing oil, flashing spark plugs, and popping pistons. He looked up and through the roof, and he could see clouds, overhanging trees, the long vapor trail of a passing jetliner. Joseph wondered if he could turn the vision off. He closed his eyes and thought to the pen, requesting to be able to see normally again. When he opened his eyes, he could. Joseph thought about hovering again, maybe right there in the car. He thought again to the pen, sending another request, and almost immediately he felt the belt tighten around his waist and shoulders as he rose from the seat. A huge smile broke across his face. I've got powers, he thought. This concludes chapter two. Visit SortaKindOfSuperpower.com for updates, hero illustrations, and more.